Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. No, it really, I, I, I basically just have kind of one simple idea that I want to communicate. Uh, that I'm, I'm calling this message, Think Spiritually About the Future. You know, so, um, is the, where's the Romans, where's the Romans 8 passage? Did it not get in there? Uh, Romans 8, in Romans 8 it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, you know, I think we have mixture in our thinking in lots of different areas. We certainly have mixture in our thinking in understanding what the Christian life looks like. Mixture meaning a little bit of the old covenant mixed with a little bit of the new covenant. You know, we know that it's all about Jesus, but we still think righteousness or our right standing with God is still uh, affected by our capacity to live right and stay out of sin and all that kind of stuff. Certainly not, you, you know, you, we would never say continue in sin, but you're safe in Him because of the blood of Christ, right? We're always going to preach that message. And to think spiritually is to always take into account that which God says is possible for that situation. Pretty simply, to think spiritually is to always take into account, to factor into your thinking what God says is possible in that particular situation that you're dealing with. And oftentimes we look to the circumstances, we look to, you know, maybe the doom and gloom, we look to the news, we look to whatever the state of the union is or our past experiences, and oftentimes that's bigger in our mind than what God says is possible. And I'm not just talking about a supernatural option as much as I am. See, to me, spirit when it says to be carnally minded is life and death, but to be, or, or sorry, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To me, to be spiritually minded is to be growth minded. Specifically, the Word of God in you, growing in you to produce fruit in your character and your integrity and your life choices and how you live. So to be spiritually minded producing life is that you hold the Word of God inwardly and it changes your emotions, it changes how you see people, it changes how you see yourself, it changes how you treat people, it changes how you behave in the world, right? So to be spiritually minded is not some mystical concept where you're thinking about ideas that are detached from this reality. To be spiritually minded is simply to hold God's principles and truth inwardly to the point that you actually expect the, His ways to affect your present reality. To be spiritually minded is to believe that God in you can affect you and affect the world around you and produce fruit through you and empower you to live 
that supernatural, powerful lifestyle. A lot of times when we talk about spirit, we only think about the impossible things, the miracles or the stuff that we can't see. But spirit is you being angry, stopping, cultivating thankfulness inwardly because God loves you, and then it changing your attitude where you walk kindly toward whoever you're angry at. That's just as spiritual as laying hands on somebody and watching a miracle happen. It really is. You being affected by the Word of God inwardly is as spiritual as anything you'll ever see. So to think spiritually minded is to consider what God says is possible in any given situation. Now, the future is the future. You know, we, we, we know that there, there is an end. We know that there's a second coming, and we don't know what all... I personally don't know what all those details look like. You watch sometimes on these... People send me these internet things, and it's like, Jesus is coming back on Tuesday, and the Christians are all going to get their heads cut off, and Bill Gates is going <laughs> to take all the food over, and we're going to all be chipped. And it's like, how do you know all that? You're more spiritual than I am. Anyway, are you with me? Are you not seeing those videos and all that's, you know? Well, good for you. Which, by the way, by the way, pay attention to what you listen to. I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were kind of working through, you know, some of the voices that people that they love are paying attention to. And, and in certain circles, there's more emphasis on what the word of prophecy is than what the word of God is. And oftentimes, the word of prophecy is affected by the political climate or what's going on in Russia or China or in the economy. And so all these prophecies end up getting generated, affected by that stuff. It's not that we should stick our heads in the sand and not pay attention to any of that. And I think we are probably very politically aware for, a particular, for, for, for the body of Christ. You know, we actually believe you should get out and vote, run for office, go hold those school board positions. You know, there's a movement to, for poll watching and just the integrity of the, the democracy of our nation. We want to preserve that. We absolutely believe in the spiritual foundations that our founding fathers you know, we're influenced by in the writing of our original documents and the, and the, and the uniqueness of, to, that, that's worth preserving in our founding documents. However, taking over that realm is not, what is, is not what is going to establish righteousness in this earth. Having all the right people in office is not what is going to bring revival to the land. <laughs> Forgive me. I don't mean to poke fun at the idea of revival, but I'm just saying, in my mind, be careful what you're depending on. Are you depending on a carnal construct, i.e. government or a political party or a candidate, or are you depending on the spirit of the living God? And it's not that you detach one from the other. It's just how do we walk that line? That's why I appreciate Mike so much back there, who, who kind of helps us think through these things and speak to it and I know we've got um, probably a lot of turmoil coming up with midterms and political season. And so, Mike, I'm going to ask you to, you know, maybe be more vocal in this process and, and just kind of help guide us in that. And anytime something's on your heart, slide on up here. Don't you guys appreciate hearing from Mike in that environment? Um, <clears throat> so let me, let, me just, let me just read this selection out of Mark 8. This is, this is an encounter that Jesus had with Pharisees, and they came to test him, and he answered, and then he spoke with the disciples afterward, which is very much, it's, I, I so appreciate that we have 
the recordings that Jesus, you know, as we see his public ministry described, and then we see the intimate and private conversations that he had to help frame how to think about these kinds of things. So let's read through this. So this is Mark 8. I'm going to start in verse 11. Mark 8, 11. Uh, and I'm in the New King James. Um, I, I was going to tell you a little bit about my trip out to Colorado because I had the honor to go out and speak at Karis Bible College, which is Andrew Womack School. So I was there this past Tuesday and Wednesday, and it, it went great. You know, in fact, if I were to tell you all the things that were said, it would feel a little weird to me. So maybe I'll just write an email because I don't really want to stand here and talk about the things that they said, all the positive stuff, you know. But anyway, it was good, and there's more opportunities, and the relationships are growing, and it will affect this place. In fact, um, how many of you know who Greg Moore is? Yeah. Okay, more than I thought. So Greg Moore is one of the main teachers in Karis Bible College. He'll be here in March, March 5th. He'll be here uh, on a Sunday morning ministering, and we'll probably have a leaders meeting that he'll speak to after that. But Anyway, there's a lot there, and it's good stuff, and I wish I had time to talk about it, but maybe another time. All right, so here's Jesus. Uh, so we see, and I'm just going to read from here. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. You know, so the, 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 the religious legalistic mind always wants to... Uh, you know, make sure that you're saying the right thing. They want to get the details right. Now, I think a lot of these guys that were testing Jesus, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you know, the, the, the priesthood, I think they thought in a certain way they were trying to preserve the word. But, you know, Jesus looked at these people and he said, you guys are putting a yoke of bondage on people that, first off, you yourselves are not trying to live up to that standard. And... You're misusing the law of God anyway. The law of God was given to present a framework to live uprightly within until the greater came, which is Christ. And so the law used properly should show, show you the standard, and you should try to live up to the standard of God, which is perfection. However, knowing that you can't live up to it to be accepted within it. It's a, it's, a, it's a guiding light of how to live in this earth, but being thankful that it's not how God is judging you, and it's not the framework within which you have a relationship with God, the finished work of Christ is. Does that make sense? All right, so talking about this idea of think spiritually about the future. I want to read this selection here. And uh, it's a response of the disciples of Jesus to the working of the miracle of the loaves. And he says some things in here that, to, in my understanding and, and how it impacted me, is he's wanting them to tweak how they're thinking to think spiritually. Not miracle and supernatural, but just spiritually in that God is alive and active. He is involved in your life. He's involved in this world. There's reason to have hope to expect God to affect your life positively and not just throw away the future, all right? So then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, 
Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them. Now this is after, you know, Jesus fed, five, multiplied fish and bread twice. You know, oftentimes we don't realize that, but twice he did it and fed, you know, multiples of thousands. So he's gone out into the boat. Uh, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, how they hear this should give us insight into how we hear Jesus also. Are we hearing what he's saying spiritually or are we hearing what he's saying carnally? Now, carnal does not necessarily mean evil. Carnal just means physical. Carnal is like kind of the Newtonian model of physics in that there's cause and effect, A plus B equals C. Spiritual is kind of this quantum view of physics. In other words, reality will shift itself to mirror the observations and the beliefs of humans. You know, I, I want to go... I want to go deeper into that kind of thinking and really juxtapose those because I think there's a lot of insight to pull out of there to, to look at physics. You guys want some physics sermons? Yeah. It, it, it would be good. But watch how... So, so he says this, Take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, it's because we have no bread. Because he said the word leaven. That's what they're thinking, right? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Now, right, let me keep going. Said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes to see, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves and the five thousand, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of garments did you take up? You know, it's, it's funny because I see this. It's like, you guys know Brian Regan, and he talks about going to the doctor. He's like, I knew he was going to get on to me because I hadn't done anything different from the last time I went to see him. He's like, you feel like a kid going in front of your doctor, and he's like, are you eating this? No, sir. Have you done this? Are you taking this? No, sir. So you feel like a 12-year-old kid again. This is almost kind of how I picture this. Jesus is talking to them. And I don't think he's condemning, but you know, they're good. They're like, now, how many baskets did I take up? And they're like, 12. <laughs> and he says, and also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of uh, fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. <laughs> and he said, how is it you do not understand? Don't you feel that way when you talk to your kids? Did I not tell you this? <laughs> yes, sir. And then they run off and do the exact same thing again. Well, that, that's how we are. So, and, and, and so why, why is that? Why is it that when he does something in our lives, we miss it? First off, I think we hear carnally. Now, I didn't finish that point. Carnal is not necessarily inherently evil. It's just physical. Carnal is more of a scientific mindset where it's looking for a solution, it's looking for all the factors, wants to put the equation together. Spiritual thinking recognizes uh, there, there is a possibility here outside of the realm of 
A plus B equals C. Outside of the scientific mindset of everything trending toward death or the, having this entropic mindset about created matter, spirit says, no, the life of God can bring dead bones to life. The life of God can turn sorrow into joy. The Spirit of God can turn an impossible situation into the greatest opportunity that you've ever experienced. Thinking spiritually can keep you on the track of one major life dream not coming to pass and still having the desire to step into another one, as hard as that might be. You know, the spirit, spiritual thinking is looking at your marriage and realizing this is not what I want and, and this is what God's best would be. However, this thing's dying to death and whatever my next step is, there's still hope for me. I mean, I realize that's pretty specific. I'm not necessarily trying to advocate divorce, but some of you are in the middle of a battle and it's, it's hard. And there's still life for you. Don't get carnal in your thinking about your future. Think spiritually about your future, no matter what situation it's in, or what situation you're in. And I'm not saying expect a miracle, although you should expect a miracle. What I'm saying is don't give up on holding the Word of God in your heart and expecting it to actually make a difference in your life. You know, I would rather you not need a miracle. I would rather you not need God to supernaturally intervene and do something impossible in your life. Because what that would mean is you've followed God in such a way, you've been obedient to His leading in your life in such a way that you are where He would lead you to be. And you don't need a bailout. Am I calling miracles bailouts? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they are. I think oftentimes we find ourselves in a situation where we need a miracle and we're in that situation because we didn't follow him five years previously and we ended up in that situation. Amen. You know, today's 9-11. Today's and we remember those first responders that charged into those buildings and gave their lives, you know, and, and we will never forget that. And I have incredible respect for people that are in those jobs, that do those kinds of jobs and risk their lives. And a lot of people gave up their lives. And families are still affected by that. And there's still all kind of health issues. And, you know, I've looked into it before. And um, th there's a lot of organizations that are still helping people that were in those situations because of the health factors that they're experiencing, right? But there, there is a... There are, so when they counted all the numbers, only about half of the people that were supposed to be in those buildings were actually there. Like on any given day, uniquely, there was about half of the amount of people that would have normally been in there, specifically on that day. And then you started hearing stories about people would say, well, you know, I just felt like I wanted to stay home and have breakfast with my wife. I felt like I wanted to swing by my kids' school and, and just have breakfast with them. I felt like I just wanted to go in late. I, I, I just kind of felt like I just wanted to work from home. I felt like I shouldn't go to work today. You heard story after story after story. Have you ever heard those stories? Yeah. Go look them up. Yeah. Now, what's going on there? Now, I'm about to say some things that you, can, you might be offended by. So let me just go ahead and put that out there. 
but it's only because I think God is this good. Those people, were they hearing God? I think so. A lot of them were warned. Personally, I think saved and unsaved. Right? God's trying to help us all. Now, why those people and not the ones that died? Why? Was God only speaking to them? Or was He speaking to all of them? I personally think all of them. If you disagree, that's fine. Now, were they just the ones that listened? Possibly. That's a hard truth. It's a hard truth. When G we have to believe... So, so the beliefs that we have about God have to be framed by who He declared Himself to be. So like when God, when, when God enters the scene of humanity and He speaks to the prophets and they write things down and He says, Behold, I am the Lord God, your healer. I am the Lord God, your provider. I am the Lord God, your rescue. I am your peace you can expect to experience those aspects of God. Not one time does God declare Himself to be, Behold, I am the Lord God who takes your job away from you. Behold, I am the Lord God who puts diseases on you to teach you lessons. No, He says, I am the Lord God, your healer. I will put no disease on you. I realize this is very contrary to what a lot of people's views about who God is. But it might be time for you to change your life and your beliefs about who God is and how He's operating in this earth. I think He's constantly trying to lead us into life and peace. So my point on you only have the legal right to believe the things that God says of Himself when He's describing to you who He is. You look at Jesus, and Jesus, when Jesus teaches about the giving of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, 16, He says the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will remind you of what I've said. And He will testify of me so that you will glorify me. Now, if you read that and there's some kind of mysterious aspect of Him leaving you in darkness and pain and tragedy and difficulty, then that's just your perspective and there's a revelation that might need to happen. But in terms of who God is, He's good. He only has good plans for you. Are you saying my life should just be perfect? Well, Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, last week, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen. I was talking to Bob. Did you watch online or were you here? Online. Online. Bob goes, well, that message last week was heavy. And it was. And I wasn't trying to be heavy, but it's like, all right, if we're going to take this stuff seriously about following God, what's, what's the highest standard or the highest potential that we should believe for? I personally believe every believer on the planet has the capacity to live in this earth like Jesus did. He's the model. He's what's potential. He's, the poten he's what's possible for humans to experience. And, and, you know, that may be radical and difficult for some of you to wrap your head around. But here's what's happening. This is the issue. When Jesus says, there's two things here and then I'll wrap up. When he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees is legalism. So, so leaven is teaching, right? Leaven is what's being taught, and we all know how leaven or yeast works. You put a little bit of it in the dough, and it works its way through everything, and it affects the whole lump. That's what he's talking about. Be careful of the teaching and the ways of the Pharisees, because it's legalistic, 
and it perverts the gospel and it perverts you know, the blood of Christ, thinking that you're disqualified because of your behavior or self-righteously thinking that you're better than somebody else because your sin is not as present as their sin or whatever it looks like. You know, the Pharisees were, Ill, were improperly using the law, putting yokes of bondage on people, telling people after, you know, telling people they still needed to be circumcised, they still needed to uphold certain rituals and all this kind of stuff, you know, is very complicated back then. But the leaven of Herod is more subtle. I personally think we're seeing the leaven of Herod in the church today. The leaven of Herod, so King Herod was uh, looked at, at by Israel, and Sam, you could probably get more detail on this. I might not get every detail right, but essentially, you know, you, you saw the, 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 the disciples were asking Jesus basically when his kingdom was going to come, and, you know, the sons of thunder wanted to sit at his right hand and call down lightning and, and, and overthrow Rome. Have, uh, Hero Rome and Israel would be restored. Kingdom will be established through, be warned of, beware the leaven of Herod with military force and establish the kingdom of God through political means. To expect the right candidate in office to be that which brings godliness to our nation is the leaven of Herod. Now, should you vote? Absolutely you should vote. Should we, you know, pray for our leaders? <laughs> that guy? I mean, he needs some prayer, doesn't he? But do you, do you actually think that getting the right... What if there was godly people, president, vice president, secretary of state, speaker of the house, and then all the way through, what if there were godly people in every situation and we passed laws and governed as a Christian nation that made all the Christians happy. Wow. If we had that, would that establish godliness and righteousness? No, it might be a better society, you know. We might could pray in school again and eradicate all these babies that are being murdered and all of that kind of stuff, but that doesn't change the hearts of the people. See, what Jesus talks about is their hearts being hardened, right? When you, when you hear Jesus teach, are you listening with a soft heart or a hard heart? When you pray, when you look at life, when you are trying to understand what's going on in your life, when you're, when you're voting, when you're dealing with your kids, when you're looking at your job and you, the relationships that you have or don't have, you're trying to figure out your calling, all of this kind of stuff. And when you go to God and you pray, do His options seem possible or not? It's, I'm going to make it all pretty simple here. If you see a promise in Scripture related to Jesus having paid for it for your life, and you pray to experience it, and you don't see how it could come to pass in your life, you're thinking carnally. If you pray and you look and you're like, well, I don't know how this has happened, but I know that this is who God is. Jesus paid for it. This is what He wants for me. I'm going to stand on this promise for whatever it might be for you. You're thinking spiritually. And then your job is to hold that inwardly and never give up on it. Now, 
That means you might need to mature and grow up a little bit in terms of what you're expecting and how you believe for it to be established in your life, but also, too, some of you are limiting what could be possible in your life because you're not letting the Word frame your mind and your expectations of what it could look like. I, you know, I, unfortunately, I think the Christian church has done a disservice to Christians in that we've presented the circumstances of the world as God's will. Like the condition of the world, God's in control, and if God's in control, then the earth looks like it looks because that's what God wants. You know, you, you listen to most sermons and it's like, well, you know, I uh, don't really understand what's going on, but I know He works out all things to my good, so I may as well just embrace this circumstance. And, you know, if, if He wanted it different, He would open a different door. And that door's closed, so that must, not, that must mean that's not what God wants for me. This door's open over here. That really is not, you know, consistent with what's in my heart, but this is the open door. Maybe that's what God's wanting for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just going through this difficulty and tragedy and suffering. And if God's in control, therefore, I, I just need to embrace this. And I don't know what you're doing, God. This really hurts and it's really sorrowful for me. And you took this away from me and I don't understand. But you know what? I'm just going to receive it. And it's like, no. That's, that's cliche, typical Christianity. That's not kingdom Christianity. That's not the perspective of Jesus came to break us free from the power of sin and death to put a power inside of us to live by grace, to do the impossible. Amen. Now, I'm speaking to your spirit, and in your mind, I know you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? What do I do? What are you saying? I, I want to take the limits off, right? I just want to put us in a situation where we're trusting God and we're actually expecting things to change for the better in our lives because they can. So we were out there in... Um, now, let me, I'm just, you know, the, so these are just kind of some ideas in my mind. A hardened heart is not an evil heart. By the way, just as a rem, rem, reminder, you got a new heart when you got born again. That new heart is not that old wicked heart that you had. So your new born again heart is not wicked and deceitful. Your new born again heart has God's laws and ways in it and knows how to hear Him. Now, you might still continue to live like the old man and sin and all that stuff because your mind is not renewed. But inwardly, your heart is sensitive and can follow him. It's natural for you to obey God now because he's changed what kind of creature you are. You truly are a new creation in him. Now, if your heart... Now, now for these guys, that wasn't true. They had not yet had a new heart. But the issue was still hardness of heart. You still hear God from the heart. You hear and obey and follow God from the heart. You have a new heart. They didn't. However, you still might struggle with a hardened heart. And a hardened heart toward God looks at God and says, well, I've done everything I know to do and you still haven't done your part. Well, I don't understand. This is contrary to your nature, so I'm just judging that you must be allowing this. You know, a hardened heart doesn't know how to take responsibility for the condition of our lives and believe through it. A hardened heart looks at what God has promised and looks at it as impossible. Rather than doing the inner work to deal with our heart and our mind and our thoughts, to repent inwardly, change the way that we think, and cultivate the Word of God and let it produce. As difficult and as challenging as that might be, spiritual-mindedness is contrary to the way this world thinks. Spiritual-mindedness is contrary to the way that most of us think. 
I just happen to believe, and I'm not experiencing it in every area, that the Word of God in my life can change everything for the better. Now, Jesus said, you're going to experience tribulation in this world. You're going to experience trouble. You're going to experience difficulty. It's impossible that, but that you would be offended. You're going to be offended. Some of you might answer the call to follow God into a very uh, difficult situation, and you lose your life in pursuit of preaching the gospel. You might lose your life following God. But that's different than all these little things about life saying God's bringing them into our life to teach us these lessons and all this kind of stuff, right? So we were out in um, Col uh, Woodland Park, Colorado, which is where Karis Bible College is. And I, I, after my teaching sessions, I went and sat in on one of the sessions. And they had the um, local government there. I think it was the mayor and a few other people and some authorities and somebody from the Water Authority, and they were teaching the students there just about what's going on in the park. They're doing a really good job of kind of bringing in real-world scenarios to kind of educate people, to think about, okay, how can we affect the world around us? And at the end of it, Karis Bible College wrote a $250,000 check to the city of Woodland Park. And the reason they would have done that, and I, and I showed Sarah that, and we were talking about it. She's like, well, why would they do that? And I said, well, one of the effects might be now the city doesn't have to raise taxes on the population because there's a ministry that has been so blessed. They're affecting everybody's life through a financial infusion that where the government doesn't have to get bigger and take more of your money. Now, that, that's super practical. And this is what I want to kind of get us to in terms of spirit, to think spiritually about the future. And when we think about doing things like that, we think about the amounts of money. But here's what I want you to try to practice this week. Think about the dreams that you have in your heart. Think about the things that you would like to do for the people that you love or even for your own children or family or whatever or for your community. Don't think about how much money it would take. Think about the end result of the effect that it would have. And let God build that within you, and then He will walk you backwards into it because He's the provider. I'm telling you, and I've been thinking about this, and God's even dealing with me on this. We are so carnal in the way that we think about money and provision. We are so physically minded in terms of thinking that money, it takes money to do everything. And in this world, there is that reality. But what if there's such blessing from God that we can be a blessing to the world around us? You know, what if the church just eradicated the need for taxes at all? What if the church eradicated abortion because we were so ready to be able to help these families and these women that have unwanted pregnancies, and fund hospitals, and have families that are ready to take these babies. Now, I'm thinking big picture, and I'm not trying to, at the end of this, I'm not going to give you, here's your steps, here's your outline, write this word in it. What I'm trying to do is just get you out of carnal thinking to think spiritually with a couple of examples. Uh, Elon Musk, any Elon Musk fans out there? You know, I don't, he's not necessarily really a believer, but he's got this, I was watching this interview he just kind of casually said, he said, uh, yeah, it, um, we could uh, provide 
power and energy, clean energy, to the entire country with about 150 square kilometers of solar panels. And so you just take the corner of Utah, so I've been up there, there's not much there. You take the corner of Utah, put those solar panels in place, and then you have clean, what possibly could be free energy. What if we as the body of Christ put our funds together, bought that property, put those solar panels in place, and had an arrangement with the government where we provide free energy to the whole nation? Now, I realize some of you are like, well, the globalists wouldn't allow that because then this and the vaccine and da, 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 and then they want this and then they can't control this and then they can't. It's like, okay, I get that. That's the reality. However, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, that's, that's like, right? And, I, and I'm, not, I'm just trying to get us out of our... The church is powerful. And with the provision of God, man, we could make a radical difference in this world. Now, so that's grand scale, pie in the sky type stuff. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, if there were a few billionaire Christians and they just decided that they wanted to do that, they could do that. What would that do to the infrastructure of our nation? You know, like I remember there was a church up in, in Michigan and in the winter they had an arrangement with the electrical company uh, that anybody whose power was about to get shut off in certain months just go ahead and debit their account for the amount of their bill so that no one would go through the winter without power. There was, a, there was a church that did that. In the particular zip code, they just did that because they had the funds and the means to do that. Now, is it because they had a bunch of money or because they'd experienced the provision of God in such a way they could be a blessing? And, and, and we need to detach from the thinking it takes money to do all these things. If we're thinking carnally, you're, it's all about the money. It's all about the right person in this office. It's all about doing the right thing. But if we're thinking spiritually, it's like, no, let's lift it up into the realm where we don't define all the details, but we expect God to bless us. That's the original promise to Abraham. When God called Abraham out of idol worship, out of worshiping in the house of Nimrod, and he said, I'm going to draw you out and I'm going to make you a mighty nation and your offspring will be a holy priesthood of, of priests and kings set apart unto me that will be so blessed by me that will become a blessing to the world that the world will come to my people to learn their ways. You know, we can think these big scale macrocosm things, but also in your personal life. How can you be that? You know, again, I'm not trying to put all these fine points and send you out of here with, you know, a three-point sermon. I'm trying to affect our thinking. I, I, look at the, I look at the disciples, right? And Jesus was teaching them, pay, just pay attention to the teaching that you're listening to. Pay attention to what you allow to affect your thinking. Because you're going to, you know, you're going to have, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, uh, uh, or as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, Jesus knew that your, the receptivity of your heart to the Word of God grew into this world and affected your life and the world around you. And then, and then when they thought carnally about it, he said, well, you know, your heart, heart. He's like, okay, we're facing this situation where we're probably going to need to feed thousands and thousands of more people. And they're trying to figure out 
how long it's going to take them to work to make enough money to feed this many people. And Jesus is like, okay, so you, I fed 5,000 with two pieces of fish, five loaves of bread. You guys remember that, right? Y'all remember that. You were there. Blake, you were there. You, you, you watched me break the bread, and you looked at all those... Th- I, re- I remember because you said, well, that's really cool. I remember you saw it. And I remember, Pete, Peter, you carried the seventh basket. Remember that? How heavy it was? You were commenting to me, man, I can't believe how heavy bread actually is. Yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of where he was with them, right? And they're like back into that carnal thinking, and he's thinking, really? God in the flesh? Capable of impossibility? Having equipped you to go into the world and represent and do all these things as well and even greater, whatever that means? And we are just so limited in how we, what we think the church has the capacity to do. So let's not fall into this trap of, because there's a movement in the church right now to take over the seven mountains of society. Let's take over media. Let's take over government. Let's take over finance. Let's take over this. And it's like, okay, I get it. There's, there's, a, there's kind of a two-layer thing to that. Certainly go into those areas, shine brightly, affect those areas, affect the world when you hold those positions of office. However, that is not going to be what brings about revival in this nation and in this world. You might manage our natural resources better and do some good, but what we need is the hearts of people to be affected. And the only thing that can do that is an encounter with the love of God, an encounter with the powerful, life-changing grace of God. And they encounter that as they see you encounter it. You know, you owe it to the world to let the grace of God transform you, first and foremost. That's why you are to live sin-free, and all of that, so that you're not hardening your heart, so that you can represent Him well, that you bring glory to His name. And if you fall, you get that stuff out of your heart and your mind, you, and, you, and you continue on. But thinking spiritually about the future is also not giving up on reaching the world. You know, I, I, I just see so many people that are focused on, we gotta, with, the world's going to get darker, the devil's going to win, the church needs to... Uh, buy land, grow food, store that food, get a bunch of ammo, and stay away from society because the devil has already won. And it's going to get darker and there's no hope. And you're probably going to die and it's going to be really bad. It's not going to be any fun. I don't know, what's some of the other stuff? (laughs) Now, again, I'm all for buy land, stock up guns because you can grow food, store food, all that stuff. You know, there could be an attack on the power grid where it's actually a really good idea to have some food. There could be a weakness of infrastructure because of our political system has not funded what it needs to and certain things happen and we can't have access to things. There's wisdom in that. But to expect that to be what God is doing to the earth as the context of our future from here forward, I don't know, man. I'm just not, I don't want to stay stuck in that. I want to expect that the church can actually still make a difference in this earth. I don't want to hide and wait for the rapture. I want to operate my authority and, pronounce, and announce the kingdom of the living God is at hand. Are you with me? Yeah. 
So, you know, so it's like, well, what are you saying? Are you saying this? Are you saying this? Well, I mean, it's kind of paradoxical, right? It's like, yes, there's darkness in the land politically, but, and, and we should vote and we should care about those kind of things. But on the other hand, there's King Jesus to depend on. Which one is really going to be able to make the difference long term? So, you know, I, I, my point is not to confuse you or to just throw out a bunch of weird ideas and use the Bible to try to validate it. What I'm trying to do is get us less dependent on the systems of the world, get you out of fear, get you out of dependence on money, depending on God, and at a heart level, we change the way that we think, which is what repentance really is. We, at a heart level, we actually become more dependent on God than we are on our jobs. That at a heart level, we actually feed on the grace of God as the source of our wisdom and strength more than our education, whatever the area of life that you're in. Are you taking the Word of God and holding it in your mind and in your heart until it's more realistic to see that come to fruit in your life than all this other stuff that you're paying attention to? Are you with me? Case in point, the federal government eliminated the protection of abortions in this country. The right to abortion, the right to abortion in this The federal government lifted it, right? Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now, we, obviously, we realize at a state level, there's still a battle to fight. But I bet some of, some, a lot of people in the body of Christ were absolutely shocked that something like that would happen because we have the expectation for the country to go underneath the ground to hell in a handbasket. And for something like that, that radical to change, it shook up a lot of people's eschatology and theology. What if more stuff like that continues to happen? You know, what, what, it, It's possible. Do you believe that things can trend better? And even if there is darkness, I mean, look at the children of Israel for 40 years wandered in the desert and were fed. And none of them, nobody was sick and the clothes didn't wear out and God led them. Are you with me? Spiritual thinking. Where in your life is carnal thinking robbing you from the opportunity of spiritual thinking so that the promises of God can change what you're expecting? And you owe it to the finished work of Christ to renew your mind to experience transformation. I don't want a church that just sits and accepts the condition of the world as if we can't do anything about it. That's why we're in the state that we're in. Amen? Amen. I think I'm done. You know, sometimes sermons, I'll come down to a very practical point where I give you something and you can go home and do some homework. This one is just, I just wanted to shake up our thinking a little bit, even myself. This is kind of the process that God's walking me through, becoming less dependent on, you know, the, the things in this world and more dependent on Him. And I, I want to continue in that. I've got a series that we're going to jump into, probably talking about prayer a little bit, and, and it'll be very practical for you to dig your teeth into. But this week, you know, just, just evaluate how you're thinking. Evaluate how affected you are by the condition of the world. Are you, are you genuinely engaging the Word where it's inspiring hope in your life? And, and, and put the work in to let the Word of God affect you inwardly. Amen?
All right, let's stand up. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather. We want to rightly divide the word. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to bring glory to your name. So we trust you and we love you. Father, I speak life over every single person in this room. I speak provision over every single person in this room. You are our provider. You are our healer. You are our peace. You are our comforter. And your Holy Spirit inside of us leads us and guides us. May we hear clearly. May we have the eyes of our heart fixed firmly upon you to believe you over everything else. We trust you and we love you. Amen, 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 amen.